Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. So I am doing a bonus pop-up episode today. Um, because I had something really cool happen on Instagram yesterday and someone in the comments noticed it and suggested through a hashtag, she said, hashtag podcast it. So (laughs) I thought about it for a moment and I thought, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it would be fun to share with folks. So that's what I'm doing here today. I'm giving you a little bonus pop-up episode, not planned for this week. And I'm going to tell you the story of how it came to be and what ended up happening. And then I'm actually going to connect this back to this week's official episode, episode nine, which is about discernment and how how the story I'm going to tell you about today that happened up on Instagram um, ended up connecting to this practice for for movement practice of discernment that I offered you at the end of episode nine this week. So here's the story. Wednesday this week, so I'm recording this on Friday. So Wednesday this week, I had a really rough day. I just super emotional, um, several different periods of the day where I just felt really down. And um, I'm aware there's like this major lunar eclipse happening this weekend and a full moon and like a blood moon, I don't even know what that means, um, is happening this weekend and they're like all colliding. And so, you know, I'm seeing all these people posting on Facebook that, um, you know, if you're feeling nuts this week, it might be because there's all of this like atmospheric stuff happening and the body is 80% water. And so the moon affects the tide. And so it's affecting your body. And anyway, (laughs) so it's possible that what was happening on Wednesday for me was totally like response to environmental realities. Um, But also like when you're in that place, and even if you become aware that those things might be happening, or you're aware that there might be hormonal components going on, or even if like you have legitimate things you can point to and say like, this is why I'm feeling so down or emotional. Um, it's still like hard to like, you can't really talk yourself out of it. It's like, that doesn't really work. Um, at least in my experience, it doesn't. Um, and so as much as you might be able to tell yourself all these factors that might be affecting the way you're feeling, it just doesn't change the reality that you're feeling what you're feeling. So on Wednesday, I had this day and that night, um, you know, I was talking to Kirk about it, my husband, and he, you know, prayed for me and I tried to pray for myself. And after he fell asleep that night, I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and I came out into the living room and sat in the dark for probably 45 minutes and tried to practice the discernment practice that I included at the end of episode nine this week. So I will talk to you about what that looked like for me as an example of what it can look like to practice discernment on the go. But what happened was that on Thursday, yesterday, the day after I'd had this really rough day, I went on Instagram and decided that I was going to share what had happened. And um, so here's what I did. I posted, uh, and by the way, If you and I are not connected on Instagram, I would be so happy to connect with you there. My Instagram uh, username is Christiane underscore bookwifery. It's the place I try to show up um, 
pretty much every day, unless on the weekend I sometimes take some time off or if I'm having a bad day, like I did on Wednesday, um, I don't show up, but um, it's the place I show up regularly um, to connect with you. And so would love to connect with you there. Feel free to come find me and connect and say hi. So I know you're a listener and um, I would follow you back. I would love to follow you back. So anyway, I go on Instagram on Thursday and I I pulled up a photo I had taken a few weeks ago when I was on a bike ride. Kirk and I went on a ride on su- on a Sunday afternoon and at one point I, you know, we stopped for a water break and he was like, I want to keep going for a little bit. And so I was like, okay, go ahead. And I just sat there and I just took some photos and there was this photo of this like huge like tree that had been covered in kudzu, which in the South is like this creeping weed that is kind of beautiful, but also like everywhere and it gets out of control. So this tree I took a photo of had kudzu like all over it. And I was taking kind of it from the ground up and it just looked kind of like a a big hairy monster. (laughs) And so I just you know, yesterday after I'd had this tough Wednesday, I decided that was the photo I wanted to share on Instagram because it looked like this big hairy monster. And I wanted to talk about the way that Wednesday had felt like this big monster for me, that there was this monster that was following me around all day. And I named it judgment in my caption. I said, you know, doesn't this photo look like a monster? I encountered a monster yesterday and its name was judgment. It felt like this monster was everywhere I turned. And then I decided to share what the monster had been telling me all day long on Wednesday. And I feel really vulnerable, like saying this out loud to you right now in this podcast episode. And I also felt very vulnerable typing it out on Thursday morning when I was sharing this post. Um, But I'm going to say it anyway. So it told me, the monster told me, I was stupid to put myself out there, that the things I create are dumb, that I will fail, that I don't know what I'm doing. That I'm not being fully who everyone needs or wants me to be. That it's not okay to stand inside my own skin and let others stand in theirs. That striding forward in pursuit of what I love will put me in a position of vulnerability that's a direct target for shame and scorn. And then I went on to say that, man, it was a tiring day, and it was. Um, And then I shared a little bit about how Kirk prayed for me and I tried to pray for myself. And then I got up in the middle of the night and I said, but for today, I want to stand in this honest place of naming the truth of the monsters because I have a hunch that you know some monsters too. What are your monsters called? What do they tell you? And what practices or postures help you fight them off? Because I think one thing that did help me fight mine off was that time I got up in the middle of the night on Wednesday night and sat in the dark for 45 minutes trying to practice some on-the-go discernment. And I'll tell you with the fruit about that at the end of this, you know, kind of the latter part of this episode, but I thought, you know, it'd be great to hear what other people do to fight their monsters. Um, and then Karen Miliotto, who is um, one of my bookwifery clients, she and I worked on her book last year. Um, that came out called Mustard Seeds and Waterlines. Um, she's working on her second book now. She um, she was one of the people that responded to the thread and then came back later and said and like read through everything that people had shared. And she's like, I love reading all these comments. They're so encouraging to anyone with a history of monster encounters. <laughs> I just love that monster encounters. And then she said, hashtag podcast it. So here we are. I want to share with you in this episode some of the things that people shared in the comment thread in response to that post. I had named my monster, I had shared what its voice says to me, and I had shared that I 
I started to find a practice that was helping me respond to it the day before. So I'm going to share with you what what folks in the bookwifery community um, shared about their monsters, what they say, and also what they have found to kind of respond back to the monster. And I want to say that doing this episode today as kind of a bonus pop-up is a little bit of a peek into what I have been imagining I'm going to be doing for kind of a bonus celebration episode about this podcast. Um, If you've listened to the first four episodes of the podcast, episodes zero through four, there's like this, I will say, kind of lengthy little um, clip at the beginning of those, those episodes that tells you I had this vision for how I wanted to celebrate the launch of this podcast, and it was to involve you, the listeners, that I would love to hear what the podcast episodes are helping you learn is true about your book pregnancy and about your your book and about your place in this world and the light that you bear. And um I didn't really have a great mechanism for collecting those stories. And so um, I have created a form that I'm going to put on the show notes for this episode that if you would like to chime in and share your story about how this podcast has been helping you with your book pregnancy, um, go to the show notes for this episode. So bookwifery.com slash podcast, and then go to episode 10, which is this episode. I will include a link there where you can share your story of how this podcast has been helping you with your book pregnancy because if you like this episode, this particular one you're listening to right now of hearing other people's responses to that Instagram post, like what they share about their experience with monsters, and you enjoy also hearing the chance that I take, the moment that I take to respond back to each of those people individually in this episode, that's what I've been envisioning doing for this celebration episode I want to do. It's going to be a bonus pop-up episode as well that shares just a few, you know, or, or maybe more than a few stories from from this listening community of people who are walking the path of discernment related to book pregnancy and shining your light in the world in a way that heals. Would love to invite you to participate in that. I had put a deadline on that celebration thing um, of June 30th, and then I extended it a week. And I'm just going to tell you here at the end of July <laughs> that I'm going to give you one, uh, give one more opportunity for people to share any stories they might like to. <clears throat> so, okay. We're getting to the stories now. So here's some thoughts, excuse me, that people have shared in response to their, their monsters. So someone named at 704 game on Instagram said in response to that Instagram post about monsters, she said, this so spoke to me. Mine is called disposable from a horrible experience I had last year. I fight it quoting the scripture that I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I've learned our words have such power over our circumstances, and that's what faith is about. Regardless of how we feel or what we see, we speak it over ourselves. So 704 game. Um, I don't know your actual name. I'm sorry. I went to your account and um, wasn't able to see what your actual first name is. But um, I want you to know that your word of naming your monster disposable and that that kind of relates to what it speaks to you just cut to my heart so much. And I'm so sorry to hear about the experience you had that led to your feeling disposable. And I love that passage in Psalm 139 that you quoted about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's just such, it's for me too, it's been such a healing passage. So I'm just sending you blessings in your ongoing 
work with your monster that counters the belief of yourself being disposable and believing instead that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and indispensable. Dr. Melanie Hearth said, I am feeling you, my dear, on this post. Those monsters are something else, aren't they? Thank you for so gracefully standing in your beautiful, vulnerable self. I just thank you, Melanie, for your kind words about that. But you're right. Those monsters are something else. It's like they know that specific place to press those pain points in our psyche and our hearts and our spirits. And they just want to push at it and they just seem to know. And it's so frustrating and discouraging and immobilizing sometimes. But I love what she said about gracefully standing in our beautiful, vulnerable selves. She said it to me, but I'm saying it back to all of you and to you, Melanie. Um, Okay, next person is at Omilo1, who I know is a woman, beautiful woman named Sandra, who's in one of my Book With Free courses. She shared, um, my monster tells me the same things, meaning the same things about judgment, except I think he's right. I think he's right, and your monster is wrong. Um, she said, when I feel overwhelmed, I sit on my meditation chair and say help over and over. And I just love the simplicity of that prayer, Sandra, of just like saying help over and over. Sometimes <laughs> I'll sit in my, we have a contemplative service we go to on Sunday nights at our church. And I, there's a lot of silence in that service. And sometimes I notice that the prayer, my spirit is praying when I'm sitting there on the pew in the silence with all the other people is just help me, help me, help me. And it's very indicative to me in those moments when I realize, okay, my spirit is is crying out. It's needing something. So I just really connect to with what you said there about the prayer for help. And, um, and I love what she said. I love what you said, Sandra, about you said, I think he's right and your monster is wrong. So she's saying basically that when the monster speak, comes into her life, and tells, tells her all those horrible things about herself, she thinks he's right. But that when she read what I was saying about the monster saying those things to me, she thinks he's wrong. It's so clear. And I just so relate to that. It's like so easy for us to hear, you know, straight to see straight through what a monster is speaking to someone else, isn't it? And yet when it's speaking to us, it's like we can't, we can't see around it. We can't see through it. Um, so thank you, Sandra, for that. Okay, next comment came from at V Marie Michelle, and this is a, a friend of mine I know named Val, who's absolutely wonderful and stunning. By the way, I'm going to put in the show notes for this episode as well, a link to each of the Instagram accounts for these folks that responded in case you find that one of their comments really resonates with you and you want to go check them out and maybe connect on Instagram. Um, in, in that way, um, I have found a lot of folks that I'm connected with on Instagram have been finding each other. And so it's like people that I've been friends with and following are connecting with other people and students that I work with. And it's like, there's this little community that's starting to form of, um, all these interconnections and it's really beautiful. So if you want to find some great new people to follow on Instagram, I'm going to link to everyone that I mentioned here in this episode on the show notes. Again, bookwithfree.com slash podcast. Go to episode 10 and you'll find each of these folks listed there. Okay. So Val, V. Marie Michelle says, wow, just wow. Thank you for the truth telling. I'm in that place now. For me, it's just a matter of listening. First, I notice. first I notice. okay, there's a lot of wisdom in this comment, by the way. She says, First, I notice the voices of shame and observe them. Once I do this, the observing self can see the shame self as just a facade. 
In that, the deeper heart space opens. Then I have compassion for myself. Then I know it always means I have to take the next step of action that engages the forward mobility. So in short, the practice is to notice the false voice, then compassion, then action. That's it. Wow. Okay, so Val, my friend V. Marie Michelle, is a super contemplative. Um, She's just one of the most deep, profound souls that I've met. And I just love the way she walks us through how to notice the voice of shame, observe it, and then move into a place of compassion and realizing that the shame is coming from the false self, um, but that there is a truer self that exists that's deeper than that. Um, so thank you, Val, for sharing that wisdom with us. It's a little similar too to what I'm going to share about the discernment practice, the on-the-go discernment practice that I was working with on Wednesday night in the dark on my living room couch. Um, I didn't use quite the beautiful language that she did when I was working with it, but um, yeah, I just I love this idea of noticing what the voices are saying and then kind of standing apart from it if we can to just observe it. And something in that standing apart helps us start to have compassion for ourselves and for that voice. So thank you, Val. Okay, next response from Kathy Swar. Kathy says, um, she says some nice things to me. and I feel a little embarrassed reading them. So I'm trying to see if I can move into some other pieces. Um, Well, she says the monster is so very so very wrong about you, but that's part of what makes it so very monstrous because it feels so real and sounds so convincing. So true. She says, for what it's worth, I didn't pick up on any of that when we spoke yesterday. And I thought you and everything you were doing, at least for the time I was in contact with you was awesome and fabulous. And I'm sharing this piece because Kathy and I had had been part of a, a group call for um, one of my cohort groups. She's in one of, in my second trimester course right now. And, um, I had had a group call with this cohort on Wednesday, the day that was the day of the monster for me. And so she's saying that when she had that group call with me that day, she didn't pick up on any of the monster happening and raging in my life. And I'm sharing this piece because um, what's true and what I responded back to Kathy is that I think that that monster went into hiding when I was with that group um, for that hour on that day. And it was like before the call and after the call, the monster was raging for sure. But I think it got real quiet when I was in the presence of other light, other souls that are so beautiful. So so anyways, just want to share like just to learn about the monster that sometimes it can go into hiding when we, um, when we are in the presence of light and um, in the presence of others who help us kind of get back in touch with our true selves. And it makes me think of Brene Brown, who teaches about shame. And she says that shame cannot live in, in when it's spoken, that once it's spoken and it's kind of brought from the darkness and the isolation into the light, it can't, it can't thrive. And so it just made me think about being with that group on Wednesday was um, at least for a little bit of time, um, an experience of light. But then once the call was over, it was like it came back again with the vengeance. So blah. Um, But anyways, Kathy goes on to say about her own monster. She said, my monster tells me the same thing and then throws in a double shot of fear. She says, I get the tried to pray for yourself thing. Trauma seems to take my words away, especially when I want to pray. But naming it helps. It at least narrows the focus so it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming. Scripture helps. Just saying help helps and is often all I can utter. 
And then she says, tell the monster to take a hike. (laughs) I love that image of telling it to take a hike. But um, I love what Kathy shares about naming it and how that can at least bring some focus to it, help it feel contained. And that was some of what I experienced for myself on Wednesday night when I did the -the on-the-go discernment practice was trying to name it. It's like what Val was saying about um, kind of seeing it like stepping outside of it and observing it and that can help bring some compassion and some distance so we're learning here together some skills some tools that we can use um okay next comment was from at emily b 2073 so this is a friend of mine named emily in the uk who says how can you ever be wrong to stand in your own skin and encourage others to do the same I love the way she says that. Like, it just seems so clear to her that if we're standing in our own skin and we're encouraging others to do the same, like, we can't go wrong. And I love the surety of that because I, I struggle with that. Um, I don't always believe that I can't go wrong if I do that. I, I often struggle with the belief that I have to, I kind of exist um, kind of at the disposal of other people, that other people's needs are more important than my own. And um, this is like a codependent thing for me that I work with. Oh. And so anyway, thank you, Emily, for saying so strongly, how can we ever be wrong to stand in our own skin and encourage others to do the same? She says, I'm fighting a big fear monster at the moment with a bit of a health scare, trying to put it on one side, focus on my daughter's smile and be kind to myself. Not too many expectations and taking each day as it comes. And first of all, Emily, I was just so sorry to hear about your health scare. I didn't know that was going on. So I'm thinking of you and offering prayers for you. Um, I love what you said about focusing on your daughter's smile. It makes me think again of that, like, if we can focus on a bit of light it can help dispel the darkness um, and being kind to yourself. Be kind. That's my mantra. And I love the way that you're applying it to yourself. From Tara Lever, who is also in the UK, she says, the monsters always seem to be the loudest and most convincing just before or just after you started something meaningful and real. I'd like to have a word with yours because they could not be more wrong. Your podcast is the embodiment of everything brilliant as far as I'm concerned. And I was like, wow, to even just receive that from someone was just, it just really filled my sails that day. Um, So thank you, Tara, for that. But I love what you said about the monsters seeming to get louder and louder and become more convincing just before or just after we've started something meaningful and real. And I think this connects to that um, that piece that I had written in my original post about feeling really vulnerable if I strive after what I want. And maybe you experience this too. There's this experience of exposure. I mean, that really is what it is. When we step out in the direction of, of what our life's work is, what our deep love is, and we move toward it, there's this exposure that comes because we are stepping out. I mean, that literally is creating exposure. (laughs) And we're moving in a direction and like this in this confident direction. And um, so she says, you know, you're if when you do that, you're doing something meaningful and real. And that's when the monsters can get the loudest and most convincing. It's like it, they want to keep us in the shadows or, or just keep us in the herd and not really doing our meaningful real work in the world. So uh, good wisdom there, Tara. Thank you. All right. Karen Milioto is next. She's the one who encouraged me to do this bonus podcast episode in the first place. And this was her comment. Um, she says, let's see. She says, my, my monster tends to attack with the greatest intensity when I'm about to make major headway on things that terrify monsters the most, like flipping the lights on in some dark corner, 
where said monster wants to hang out and continue to scare people. I was like, yeah, man, I just love the way she she um, articulated that. And it's so connected to what Tara was just saying about like, right when you're about to do something that is making major headway, as Karen says, and it, that that terrifies the monsters, which is an interesting way to think about it. Um, and she says, it's like, you know, the monster wants to hang out in that dark corner and to continue to scare people like it wants to be a terror it wants to terrorize people. And the idea that us stepping out um, keeps them from being able to continue hanging out and scaring people. Like, I love that that invitation to think about it as like our light work in the world, our stepping out, our risking that exposure and vulnerability is actually keeping monsters from hanging out and scaring other people. Because, and I was like, wow, that's powerful. That's profound to kind of flip it around a little bit and say the monster isn't just terrorizing us for us, for our sake, to keep us small and hidden and tiny and scared, but it's doing it to prevent the impact that our work will have on all the other people who need to receive what our work is when we do step out and do it. And so like that ripple effect, it's almost like the monster is really smart because it's thinking like several steps ahead. It's like a chess master, but um you know, the, the trick she's saying here is flipping the light on that dark space. And so the flipping the light is that part about moving forward anyway, making major headway on that work that is ours to do. So thank you for that, Karen. And then lastly, we have Sinner 16, C-I-N-N-E-R, not Sinner as in S-I-N-N-E-R. But anyways, this is Sinner is um, Cynthia Cindy Van Lunen, who, just so you know, um, is a friend of mine as well and also a book with free um, writer. And she is someone that her name is Cindy Van Lunen, but I just want you all to know that she's been renamed by my husband and I as Cindy Van Luminous. Um, talk about that light image. So if you connect with Cindy online, be sure you call her Cindy Van Luminous because that's her real identity. But anyway, Cindy says, I don't even know where to start. The beast waits for me in the dark, telling me that I'm all the horrible things I have done in my life. The accuser waits in the shadows until I'm tired or dealing with a sick dog or an insurance company or my granddaughter being speech delayed and then starts wiggling into me. He tells me I won't be able to go through to cancer treatment again, that I will fall apart, that it will be painful and horrible. He tells me I don't have the ability to write my book and a host of other painful things that bring me grief. I'm going to pause here before I continue with Cindy's comment and say that reading this made my heart ache. Cindy, I know that you have been going through all these things that you named and to hear what the monster tells you about yourself um, just breaks my heart. Um, she goes on to say what I have done this last week in response to the monster, is to read Henry Nouwen's book about the prodigal son. It is a great reminder of how extravagant God is with his love. No matter how far we stray, no matter what the accuser says to us, God is the one who runs out to meet us just where we are. I'm going to link up Henry Nouwen's book on the prodigal son in the show notes as well, if you want to check that out for yourself. Um, it's probably one of the few books by Henry Now, and I actually haven't read, which feels silly to confess because I think it's his one of his most popular books. <laughs> but um, but yes, I have heard so many good things about that book, so I'll link it up for you guys. Um, and then Cindy goes on to say, um, well, she goes on to say some nice things to me, which I'm not going to read because it's kind of embarrassing, but very kind. And um, she 
she um, is a part of that second trimester group that I met with on Wednesday, the, the hard day, and just basically is saying that, that that call happened to be a gift and highlight to her this month. So so my comment back to you, Cindy, is, again, just how how it hurt my heart to hear what the monster speaks to you and and to say that just like what um, came up with um, Sandra's post earlier or comment earlier in this episode that I shared, it's like when you hear what the monster tells other people, it can be some, become so clarifying because when I read everything that's, that Cindy's monster says to her just now, it was so obvious to me what a sham it was. Like for him to be telling her that she is the basically cumulative effect of every bad thing or wrong thing she's done in her life, it's like, no, when I look at Cindy Van Luminous, I see light, I see joy, I see sheer delight, I see beauty, I see laughter and hilarity. And I think, you know, nothing that that monster is saying about her can stand because it's just totally false. It's like, doesn't even make sense. So it's amazing to me what it can do for us to hear what the monster says about other people. And maybe we can start to turn that reality back to ourself and say that what it's saying about us may not be true either, maybe a sham. So let me tell you about how I worked with that on Wednesday night. Um, I said that I went into my living room. <clears throat> it was probably after midnight. All the lights were off. I didn't, I just wanted to sit in the dark because it helps me kind of tune into myself a little bit more to do that. Um, and I'll say, first of all, that that day I had recorded and released the episode nine podcast about discernment and how discernment can accompany you in your book pregnancy kind of throughout the whole of it. Um, and at the end of it, I offered kind of a four part on the go discernment practice and kind of how to work with discernment when you come to moments in your book pregnancy where you're like, I feel confused. I feel muddled. I feel like I don't know which way is the right way to go. I've got too many choices here. Um, I need to pick one and I don't know which way to go. Um, I offered four movements that you can work with to kind of start to come to some clarity, some discernment around that. So when I went out and sat in my living room that night in the dark, I thought about that practice and the four movements. Um, I decided to try applying them to this situation, this day that I had had that was so awful. And I'm going to try to reconstruct for you kind of what the movements looked like for me as I worked with them as kind of, again, these, these little test studies, these kind of case studies of hearing what other people's experiences can, I find, be really helpful for us to start applying it to ourselves. So I hope you hearing my experience helps you learn how you might or see an example of how you might practice discernment or just sitting with some of this stuff when it comes up, what that can, what that process and movement can look like. Okay, so... Movement one in this on-the-go discernment practice was to notice the voices uh, or to notice the need for discernment. So I had gone through the whole day feeling really you know, down. And after Kirk fell asleep and I was lying there in bed and I couldn't get to sleep, I was like, okay, there's so much noise going on here. I think I probably do need some space for some clarity and just like attending to this because when the noise was going on all day, I didn't, um, like I felt aware of it. But I wasn't working with it. I was just trying to like not feel it. I was trying to make it like like push it away. And you know, like I said, talking to Kirk and he prayed for me. Um, but like none of that was me actually sitting in quiet and trying to see what was really going on here and attend to it. So that was the first step. Was like okay, notice that it's a need for discernment is happening. So that was me like push, pushing off the covers, getting up out of bed, walking into the living room 
sitting on the couch, deciding to do the practice. That was step one. Step two is to listen. And in the episode nine, I talk about listening to three parts, three, three voices. The first is to listen to the voices that are creating all the chaos and the noise and like clarifying what it is that they're actually saying to you. The second step is to listen to your own inner voices response to what's happening. And the third is to listen to the voice of the divine, or for me, I name that as God. What is God, or I also name that for myself as Christ. What is Christ saying to me in response to all of this? So listen. So I did this and I will tell you that it took me like 45 minutes <laughs> to just do the second movement. Um, it was hard. I kept getting distracted. Um, I kept noticing that my thoughts were wandering and I had to kind of bring myself back to the prayer and say, okay, what was I trying to listen for again? And what was it saying? So here's some of what came up when I was listening. When I was listening to the other voices, what were they saying? They were saying the things that I I wrote in my post on Instagram the next day about like, you're going to fail if you step out and do the thing you love, you're going to be vulnerable and that's going to make you a direct target for scorn and attack and shame. Um, It was saying things like what you're doing is dumb. It's, it's like not, it's, and it's also not okay for you to just stand in your own skin and let other people stand in theirs. So, so that part of the listening practice for me that night was like, really noticing what those voices were saying and just at least clarify, like, like Kathy had said in her comment about like naming it helps bring some focus. And like Val had said in her comment, like, um, stepping outside of it and seeing what it's saying can produce some compassion. So naming those things, I was like, okay, this is what I'm working with here. Like, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of exposure. I am afraid that doing my work in the world is going to somehow hurt other people because I won't be doing their work for them or showing up for them maybe in a way that I think that they need because I'm I'm showing up for my work in the way that I need. And that's that whole like standing in my own skin versus um, tending to the needs of others. Um, so yeah, it was like, okay, I'm working, basically what I'm working with here is some fear. Um I also, the the voice that was saying, you don't know what you're doing, um, there's ways in which I'm still figuring out what I'm doing. Um, I haven't done all my, I haven't created all the courses that take you through the fullness of book pregnancy yet. Um, So I'm still writing the courses as I go. I've started a new cohort in the second trimester, as I already shared with you. And I'm still writing that course for them as I'm teaching it to them. And so there's ways in which I'm, I'm charting a new course. I'm like, pioneering my way forward in the territory with them. Just a little bit ahead of them. I know where we're going. I have a survey of the landscape. I know what's going on, but I am still working on it as I'm as I'm providing it. And also ways in which like the way I show up on Instagram. I love posting my images. I love writing the captions. I really enjoy Instagram stories. But I also feel like um I'm still kind of figuring out what what I'm doing there. Um, <laughs> even though I love it, I'm trying to like stay in tune with that. Like, you know, um, there's not like a coherence to every day's post, like from one to the next, I don't have like this overarching plan. And I teach my students how to create that kind of plan for themselves. And I help them create plans like that for themselves. And I'm sitting here kind of still figuring my way out. So, you know, it make, made me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. So this is me being vulnerable with you <laughs> about some of the ways that this monster really, you know, sometimes feels like he has a case against me. 
So I was listening to that and I was like, okay, there's some fear here. Um, There's also just an awareness that I am still figuring this out, that I am still learning how to do my work. And I wish that I had some clarity about some of the questions I'm holding about the work that I'm doing, particularly related to Instagram right now. So that was the first part of listening. The next part of listening was, what is my inner voice saying to me about this? So tuning into my inner voice, how is my inner voice speaking to me about my fears, about um, the ways in which I feel like I don't fully know what I'm doing and I'm still figuring it out? So when I listened to what my inner voice was saying, I was really surprised to hear what it had to say. It was saying things to me like, I really want to serve and connect. And I want what I'm doing to feel authentic and like service. Um, I started thinking about uh, people in my courses that have either taken them already or are in them right now. And I, I thought I had kind of this new idea of like, what if I could print out a photo of each one and carry them around with me. And <clears throat> maybe each day I could pick one of them that I am writing to in my Instagram post for the day, or I am speaking to in my Instagram stories each day and let there be a different person each day that I am specifically having in mind and doing work on behalf of in these places where I show up. It's kind of a new idea. Um, it made me feel a little excited. Um, it felt unique and it made me think about what I teach my students, which, and what I've, te- what I've taught you here on the podcast, which is that you're allowed to figure out a way that works for you. You don't have to do it the way everyone else is doing it. You can do it in a way that tunes into you and aligns with who you really are and how you want to show up in the world. And you can create some new way of doing something. And so the idea of like printing out pictures of my students and taking them with me and picking one each day that I would write and speak on behalf of in my Instagram presence each day was just kind of like, oh, that's new. That's a different way of doing it. I never thought of before and giving myself permission to try that. Um, so yeah, I, I may do that. I, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, and then listening to God's voice. Oh, wait, no, there was one other thing that my inner voice said to me, and that was that I really miss writing. And I, I do a lot of writing in the work that I do. I write my Instagram captions. I write my birth notes, emails. Um, every week I um, write my courses, um, a lot of writing. My courses are made up primarily of email lessons that go out five days a week. So, you know, that's a lot of writing that I do. And I love the writing that I'm doing. But there's this other part of me that really loves to write about my own my own stuff that I want to write just for me, which is usually in the category of creative nonfiction, spiritual memoir. Um, I love writing about my own spiritual journey, how I'm growing, what I'm noticing, what I'm learning, what I'm discerning, how God is speaking. Um, I used to do that kind of writing in my still forming work all the time. And my inner voice was telling me, hey, I miss that. I miss writing in that way that's just for me about my own soul's journey. And so um, in a minute, I'll tell you how I'm responding to that. But it was, um, it was helpful to tune in and notice that that's something that my voice, my inner voice is saying to me. Um, <clears throat> and then listening to what God was speaking to me in that space. Um, when I tuned in and was trying to incline my ear to the sacred, 
to God, to Christ, and I pictured his face as God is showing God's self to me right now. There's a very specific face that I'm seeing, um, kind of this ancient face of Christ. And um, so I tuned into that image and was just looking at him, looking back at me, and I was like, what are you saying to me in this place? And the sense that I had was that God was saying to me, it's okay that you don't have it all figured out. It's okay that you're still you're still learning. Um, just show up in the way that you need to be showing up right now. And there was just like this sense of relief, like, oh, I don't have to be a hundred steps ahead of where I am right now. It's like, I can't be in both places. I can't be where I actually am and a hundred steps ahead of where I am. <laughs> so there was this relief that came and there was this sense of trust. Um, a lot of times when I am looking at the face of Christ toward me, when I'm in a place of anxiety or meltdown or struggle, um, or when Kirk is asking me, you know, what do you want to hear God say to you right now? What do you wish you could hear? A lot of times what I do hear or what I wish I could hear is the same. And it's that everything's going to be okay. And so that was a little bit of kind of the flavor of what I received that Wednesday night was that it's going to be okay and that it is okay for me to be where I am. So the third movement of discernment on the go, after you listen to these three different voices and what they're saying, is to respond, to converse, to respond back to what you're hearing. And so um, kind of the first quick response I had to those outer voices or those monster voices was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to live according to you. So there's like a kind of a little bit of a quick dismissal because I wanted to move on to what was more interesting to me and more life-giving to me, which was what my inner voice was speaking and what God was speaking to me. And so to my inner voice, I just I acknowledged how much we, how much I, me and my inner voice really love to write. And so I agreed with her that I would... Um, really tend to this request that she's asking of me to write. And I don't know if I'm going to do that publicly or if I'm going to do it in an Evernote notebook on my computer or a Word document or something else. Um, but I agreed that I would start to pay attention to that request and start to work with it and see what we might find together to do to let that self-expression come to life. Um, I also um, was reminded as I listened to her talking about the idea about carrying the pictures around of my students and kind of using them as my inspiration on Instagram each day. Um, I was reminded of something that I have been wanting to do a podcast episode about for you and um, that I sometimes talk about with my students, which is the way in which we show up publicly for our audience is different than the way we might want to just show up publicly for ourselves. And there is some middle ground there where you get to join those together. And I will, like I said, do an actual podcast episode on this. But there was this moment that night, Wednesday night, where I was realizing that um, what I want to do for myself is separate from what I want to do for Book Whiffery and how I'm here to serve my students. And so that affects the way that I show up on Instagram, um, how I share myself on behalf of my students versus how I share myself on behalf of what I want to do. <laughs> so I want to unpack that a little bit more. I'll do a separate podcast episode about that. But but there was this moment of acknowledging with her, like, okay, we're going to create some space that's just for us. That's just for me. Um, and then we're going to explore what showing up on Instagram on behalf of my students and on behalf of um, those who listen to the podcast and want to just connect with Bookwifery. And what that space is about is a little bit different. And so I'm going to be working with that. 
And then just my response to God just being one of gratitude. Um, The final movement of discernment on the go is to notice, to come back to the noticing space and to say, um, does there need to be ongoing discernment work here or has my spirit settled this? Um, In some ways, my spirit had settled it. I was um, feeling less anxious. I woke up on Thursday and felt able to share about the struggle with all of you on Instagram and now here today in this episode. Um, But... I felt aware that the things that me and my inner voice had conversed about, about doing some creative writing just for myself and continuing to noodle on what it looks like for me to show up on Instagram on behalf of all of you, um, I need to still work with both of those ideas. And so that's going to be some ongoing discernment. Um, I don't feel unsettled, but I feel unresolved. So I don't, you can kind of feel the difference between those. I don't feel angsty, but I feel like, okay, there's still some more working with of this to do. So that is what discernment on the go looked for me on Wednesday night to work with the monster and to start to discern my way through it. And I hope it is encouraging and helpful to you to hear kind of a real story of what that can look like for someone as you approach doing it in your own life. So the four movement again, movements again are number one, notice that you have some need for discernment. Um, number two is listening to the three different voices. What is the voice of the chaos saying? Um, kind of getting clear on that, uh, creating some clarity about that. What is your inner voice saying and what is God saying? Then it's conversing with those voices and having your own response back. And then it's noticing whether you've come to a place of settledness in your spirit about it or you, or if, or if you need some ongoing discernment. So... <laughs> This is the bonus episode, and again, I will offer the invitation to you that if you want to share a story with me about how these podcast episodes have been helping you in your book pregnancy, go to the show notes page for this episode, bookwifery.com slash podcast, go to episode 10. I will include a link for you right at the top that gives you a form where you can share your story with me because I am going to do another pop-up episode pretty soon here in the next week or two, probably the next week, um, that shares the stories I've been receiving from folks about this podcast and how it's helping you in specific ways in your own journey. I want to share those stories and I want to offer you a unique response back. All right. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.